Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. And my mind's gone blank. <laughs> of course. I know it always happens. I was just like, I'll just write something down. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 2020. Yes, welcome to 2020. Here we are. Brand new year. I know, new decade. Amazing. So dumb and generic. Let's move on. Okay, what what, um, were you reading over Christmas and New Year, Michelle? I've been reading lots of different things, but there's lots that I haven't finished and things that we've been reading for the podcast. So I feel like there's no point talking about them because we sort of talk about them. Well, yeah, like we sort of talk about them when we do the interviews and stuff. So like I was reading the book that our guest today wrote and things like that. But uh, what I did read, funnily enough, started it in January, technically, but I read One Day in December, which I know was like one I saw on Instagram um, at the end of 2018. Yeah. Yeah, In 2018. Yes, not last year, as in two weeks ago. I'm still doing that, I know. Um, and I remember seeing everyone reading it and I was like, mm, you know, I'm not really like super romancy. Like I, I'm no. very picky with that sort of thing. And, um, you're also are... not a hype person. So it makes complete sense that you waited a full year to read it. I deliberately avoid hype. And the only reason I read it is because Mel, whose handle is a cozy reader, um, she recommended it when I put up a post asking for like winter books and she said it was really good. And then after I, after that, like literally the day that I saw that recommendation from her, I walked into Oxfam um, across the road and there it was on their shelf. So I was like, okay, it's, it's a pound. I'm going to grab it. Um, the book itself was great, but the actual physical copy that I had because I got it from a charity shop, it stank of stale cigarette smoke and I mean like so bad that Jack could smell it when I was reading on the couch like it was atrocious I know it was so disgusting and it got worse the more I read it like I was just like it it was so so disgusting so that shall be going back to the charity shop after um but it was really fun it was sort of more serious it was it was very similar to like a Mari McFarlane book in that there was more going on than just the romance stuff which as you know yeah. is my kind of romantic book I wanted more in there <laughs> it was really good uh, yeah but I just have as I mentioned later in this interview have read a string of books that involve breakups and stuff and that was one of them <laughs> so um, I'm trying to avoid some like romantic books for a while after this but it was fun it's definitely a nice Christmassy read like Northern Hemisphere Christmassy read it was lovely. Um, well funnily enough my current read is a summer read it's Dramarama by E. Lockhart um, so Ooh. it's literally about a group of teenagers who go to summer camp, but it's like drama and theatre camp. Perfect. Um, it's completely up my alley. <laughs> I wish I could have gone to something like this when I was in high school. It's, it's so fun already. But my favourite thing is um, sort of at the beginning when they've all just gotten to the camp, you know, the main character is like meeting some of the other girls who are like in her dormitory and everything like that for this summer camp. And they're talking about, 
what shows are being are going to be done at the camp over the summer. And one of them is cats. And one of the girls is like, oh, I love cats. And everyone else is like, oh, honey, no, you're not supposed to love cats. <laughs> so so relevant. Anyway, yeah, so I just thought that that was really funny considering, you know, everyone knows considering what. This Did movie. you end up But we're not talking about. It? No, we're not talking about the movie again. We're not. No, I we're not. I'm just curious it. as to whether you actually end up spending money on going to see it. No, I'm not going to spend money on it. Good. Okay. But what I did spend money seeing was Little Women, which Aww. was so wonderful. I loved it. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. You should. I know. I'm torn. I, I actually don't know. I assume it's still on in our, like, other cinema, but there's a an old theatre here and sometimes they do movie screenings but their little women screening doesn't happen until like the end of February um so I just wasn't sure whether to like wait and go see it there I don't I don't really know um because Jack also wants to see there's a new movie called 1917 coming out which is apparently incredible um he was saying that like obviously it's about the war uh yeah. he was saying that all the scenes that they film and stuff though um are filmed in like a really special way or something like one take sort of thing and it's meant to be absolutely incredible so I'm I'm a bit torn because like I, I just movie tickets are really expensive <laughs> yeah um and I also don't really I mean, I don't mind going by myself, but if I'm going to go by myself, I may as well go in the nice theatre. I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but I also I also haven't read the book or anything, so I was like, mm, do I try and read the book first? But then a lot of people are saying that they prefer the movie. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary to read the book first. I have read the book. Um, I read it a couple of years ago, um, but I'd never seen any of the other movies Although, as you know, I did go see a musical version later last year, um, which was awesome. Um, but I don't think it's necessary to read the book. Like, you'll still understand what's going on. Um, and if anything, if you then want to read the book, I think it might make it a bit easier because you would mm. you will have a general idea of the storyline. Um, That's how I like to approach my classics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make it a bit easier on yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. not that the book is necessarily hard to read or anything it's just was the cast incredible did you enjoy it yes I did really enjoy it and one thing I did think about the cast was that uh, Meryl Streep plays like their character name is just Aunt March I think yeah so she's you know their aunt who is like a bit richer and like lives in a fancy house and everything like that and when I read the book originally, before this movie, I knew anything about this movie, I basically pictured her as Meryl Streep, but <laughs> as Meryl Streep in a series of unfortunate events, I oh, think is yeah. basically how I was picturing her. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, you know, Cisha Ronan is great. Emma Watson is great. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Oh, wonderful. I should go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched a movie recently which was like, it was released in the cinemas, but it was like a small sort of release. Um, And we watched it on Netflix and it's called Swimming with Men. Never heard of it. Okay. It has, um, oh my God, what is his name? 
I'm just thinking of him as Bryn from Gavin and Stacey. Um, Rob Brydon. It has Rob Brydon in it. Um, he's like sort of the main character. It has a lot of other people who I've seen in other British shows. But okay. basically, Rob Brydon's life is sort of falling apart. He's having this midlife crisis. Life is just meaningless and pointless. He goes swimming every day and he sees these men doing like weird things in the pool and it turns out they're synchronized swimming and he ends up joining their team that's so cool I love that (laughs) I know and it's like sort of a funny premise but what makes the movie so fantastic is it's really about how all these men are sort of each broken in their own way but um Actually, one of the other characters in there is, I think, Jim Broadbent, who is Carson from Downton Abbey. Um, so people will be really familiar with him. But they basically they say, do you want to come join our team? We've decided that we want you on the team. And they give him a thing. It's like rules of um, swim club. And it's like first oh, rule about swim club, what goes in the pool stays in the pool. And then like the second rule is that they leave their personal lives at the door. So they basically are just a group of men who meet know nothing about each other there's like a guy that they call silent bob because they don't know his name like there's it's just they all turn up personal lives left behind and they just do synchronized swimming and they don't talk about anything else outside and obviously in the end that all intermingles a little bit but it's just a really interesting exploration of like male friendship and these like broken human beings who all help each other in their own way but they the the main thing is that they they find out about this world championship of synchronized swimming and they go to compete in it so it's like they're training and all that sort of stuff and meanwhile his wife's chucked him out and all this sort of stuff so yeah it's all sort of going on in the background it was a really lovely movie oh that sounds really lovely yeah just like an underrated gem yeah also I love how you didn't say that Jim Broadbent was Professor Slughorn. Oh, is he? Have I got the right person? Well, maybe you don't, but the actor's name who played Professor Slughorn is named Jim Broadbent. Because that's who I immediately picture. (laughs) Oh, okay. Correct that. It's not him. Um, Oh. Jim Carter. Sorry. That's where I got confused. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Jim Carter, who is Mr. Carson in Downton Abbey and has, like, the most beautiful voice. Like, I would just love him to read me audiobooks every single night to go to sleep. His voice is amazing. It's, like, so deep and wonderful. Like, oh, so good. Righto. What have you been listening to? Uh, I've actually been listening to a book called Oh My God, What a Complete Ashling. And then as soon as I finished that, I had to download the second one, which is called The Importance of Being Ashling. And it's Irish and it's hilarious. And I don't want this series to end. Cool. I have been listening to Harry Styles' new album <laughs> a lot, <laughs> which surprised me because I was curious after hearing, like, one song, so I, like, gave it a bit of a sample listen. Um, but I didn't like his first album, but I really, really enjoyed this one. So, <laughs> Interesting. Well, yeah. that just about wraps it up. Let's head into our first interview of the year. 
Our guest this week has worked as a journalist for 17 years after studying English and Australian literature at the University of Sydney. Her professional writing has appeared on some of Australia's most popular publications, and she's now the weekend editor of Kidspot.com. She lives in Sydney's Northern Beaches and is celebrating the publication of her new novel, The Lost Summers of Driftwood. Welcome to the podcast, Vanessa McCausland. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I just thought I would quickly mention at the beginning here, because I forgot to even say this before we started recording, but um, Vanessa, I had the chance to read The Lost Summers of Driftwood a little while ago, but I actually sent Michelle a copy for Christmas. And I believe you've just started it, haven't you? Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't actually take it on holiday with me, so I didn't finish it before we did this like this interview I just started it this week and I'm really enjoying it um so that was actually what I read on the train to Nottingham yesterday so I'm (laughs) I'm really I'm really intrigued to see how it all unfolds oh lovely thank you I'm sure you're going to like it Michelle I'm sure you will (laughs) yeah yeah so (laughs) With that, although although I do have to say I did when I started reading because I, I it's not a spoiler to say that there's a huge change with a breakup of a relationship like right at the start of the novel, and yeah. it's probably the fifth book I've read in a row with like a long term relationship breaking up and I was like oh my god I need to read something that gives me some hope in long-term relationships if I read another book where the character's like this is the love of my life and they break up I am going to really start doubting my life choices so I just am like I'm just suddenly like it's it's when you like buy a new car or whatever and you see it and I'm just like why am I seeing all these breakup books like I don't want to break up what is happening I'm getting really like I'm getting like really paranoid that I'm like what's the universe trying to say so um like I'm attracting the energy I know I was like what am I doing to attract all these books but because like Kate, like listeners will know I'm very very happy in my relationship but I'm like paranoid Aww. that I'm like oh my god is this oh a god. sign like it's just ridiculous <laughs> so I need no. something that's absolutely not about that because it's I read um how do you like me now by Holly Bourne which these are all brilliant books but it's just like this is the latest one I picked up and I'm like oh my god like <laughs> I cannot do another one um so it was how do you like me now by Holly Bourne and then Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams, which is phenomenal. I don't know if it's out in Australia yet, but it's absolutely amazing. Like, highly recommend it. You'll love it. it. It's. I don't think I've read anything quite like it before. It's amazing. Um, and then I read One Day in December, um, which, again, lovely, but a lot of breakups in that. And then I picked <laughs> this up and I was like, oh, my God, no, no more. <laughs> Well, I, I do have good news in that the breakup is is the catalyst, but there's really a very small amount of the book that is that's involved with that. <laughs> so once once we get past chapter three, the breakup will be left behind. Oh, thank, thank goodness. But yeah, like I need a break. For, I need some like I don't know. I need some true crime or some like fantasy or something that's not involving any breakups just for a little bit or else I'll start thinking like I'm really getting paranoid now. (laughs) Gosh that's so funny. Um, 
just love that you're like, I need a break. Maybe some true crime. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I just, um, because usually my go-to break book is like romance and clearly that's not going to work at the moment because everyone I pick up has a bloody breakup in it. <laughs> and yes, right. my relationship is fine. There is nothing wrong with my relationship. But because I'm anxious, all these books are making me think there is. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. Thankfully, the breaking up is not the focus of Lost Summers. But, Vanessa, congratulations. <laughs> the book has just been released. So how Thank do you, you feel now that Lost Summers of Driftwood is out and about in the world? Well, I had my book launch last night, um, and so that was yes. really exciting. Um, first ever book launch, um, and that was gorgeous. Just all my friends and family and um yeah, it feels really good to have it out in the world. It's always a little bit nerve-wracking putting your work out there. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's, you know, there's been so many years in, of work put into it. It's just like, okay, finally, here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did the launch feel, like, really official? Like, there all the books were on yeah. the table, that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's just... We have so little in our society that sort of, you know, marks an occasion for things. And so it just made it kind of real. And my publisher, who's just lovely, came and, and said a few words and I did a little speech and, you know, it was, yeah, it was really nice. Sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it has come out at a time that's, quite sort of upsetting with all the bushfires and of course a lot happening on the central on the um south coast which is basically where the book is set um and Caitlin you'll know from reading it that it's kind of a bit of a love letter to the south coast of New South Wales and um and so it's a it's kind of a little bit poignant or like weird or something that this is all happening and then the book's coming out and yeah, it's a bit of an emotional time, I think. Um, but we had a little fundraiser last night to raise money for um, a lot of the wildlife that's been affected on the New South Wales South Coast. Um, and so that was just really nice to, you know, everyone just give a little bit of money for that and do our small bit. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, we were going to ask a little bit about that. So um, obviously something that has been nice to see around that like you said you guys raised some money as well but there's also been the authors for fireys hashtag which um has has been lovely to see the bookish community all coming together like that yeah yeah it's great (laughs) so sort of on this topic on this topic um Mm. The novel does have have a very, it's so atmospheric and the setting is like really its own character. And you have said in other interviews that the setting and the place was the inspiration for the story as a whole. So why do you think those summers in your childhood and that place had such a big impact on you? Um, I think, I think it's sort of that nostalgia of, um, you know, youth and and what you did when you were young, it kind of, it forms you in a way that you only realise when you're older. Um, And, you know, whenever you go back somewhere that was important to you when you were little, you just get this incredible feeling. And um, 
I guess I just wanted to capture that feeling of nostalgia and yeah our family just went to this gorgeous little place on the river on the New South Wales south coast sort of every probably every sort of big school holidays um, and it was five hours south and so it was a big trip but our grandparents lived down there so um, we'd just get bundled off and since I was you know born really um, and so we just grew up every holidays um, or a lot of the holidays on this river frontage and of course in the 80s it was just really different to went to what it's like now there was no real you know distractions from digital stuff there's no there's just like in the book there's no internet um available there and so you're just in nature and we were just allowed to go off and just disappear for the whole day and explore and it was the 80s you know parents were just so much more (laughs) relaxed back then I think um and I think things have really changed now and so there's this kind of yeah nostalgia for that time um and yeah I just I I guess I really wanted to capture that part of the world as well because it's so Australian and it's so um it's just what everyone kind of has in their bones and interestingly reading reviews so many people sort of it chimes with so many people they're like I felt like this was where I used to go on holidays and it just I could just picture it and it brought back all these memories and so it's almost like this collective imagination that you're somehow tapping into by just tapping into your own stuff which I guess is what a writer is kind of always trying to do yeah I mean it is really beautiful I you know I agree I never spent school holidays in the New South Wales south coast but I sort of pictured this mishmash of like Adelaide beaches and you know national parks in Queensland it was probably looked completely different but you know it was the same sort of thing I was picturing my own you know camping holidays that my family used to go on and everything like that and it's yeah it's really beautiful oh thank you um yeah so yeah it's it's kind of, yeah, just this time of year as well in January when everyone goes away and, um, yeah, just that whole summer holidays vibe. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, but also we sold the property probably oh, about three years ago. And so I think, or maybe longer, maybe it was four years, um, when we sold it I was just like, okay, I feel like I need to, somehow keep the feeling of this special place Um, and as a writer that's the way that you kind of make sense of things and feelings and so it just kind of came out in a book I think. (laughs) Mm, So you've like captured it especially I guess for for your family as well to have that feeling represented in a book that you guys can all keep and pass down. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely. And and all my family and extended family who used to go there all came last night to the launch and it was just a really beautiful sort of moment. And and when they're reading it, they're going, oh, my gosh, you put this bit in, like the, <laughs> the old bucket, the bucket from the jetty. And, like, they can – it's almost <laughs> like all these little – hints that I put through the book um 
and yeah it's been really nice um like little easter like, eggs oh, for your own family like little <laughs> easter eggs yeah that's <laughs> beautiful yeah it's it's a bit of a love letter to my family as well as to that part of the world um and so when I was like making my speech I was getting quite emotional (laughs) (laughs) don't cry um yeah and it's dedicated to my nana who um who died in quite a tragic accident and so I think there's a real thread of um loss and grief and how one deals with those things in this book and I think that was a bit of a channeling of that as well um so yeah it's quite a personal book (laughs) um you sort of don't even know you don't even know until you've done something just how personal it is and then you're like okay this is going out into the world that's interesting (laughs) um so it's been it's been really lovely to get such beautiful feedback so far because when something is personal I think it's a little bit harder to put it out there maybe yeah was it hard to write at all then to go back um and explore all those feelings and and um to go back in time I guess and sit with that nostalgia for such a long time as you wrote the book um yeah I think it it, probably was challenging in a way but at the same time I think that's probably how I process all my emotions by putting them into words and into a story um yeah it's I think it's hard for writers to articulate why they need to write but I think a lot of the time it's kind of a bit of a catharsis thing happening um and so I definitely think that that was part of the process for this um, but then I think once the story's out, the story is then its own beast. It's not just your memories and emotions. It's actually new characters that are themselves. And then it kind of becomes sort of fresh and something other than what you put into it. And then you can kind of keep going with it because it's its, its own entity, if you know what I mean. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't feel too sort of bogged down in all that grief and stuff because it's it's kind of these characters that feel like real people that are going through their own thing um, and it gets a bit removed from you then once it's a proper story. I don't know, that probably sounds like gobbledygook. No, no, that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. And mm. before we do talk a little bit more about the storyline, um, can you tell us a bit about the novel, like a little quick summary? for those who haven't read it yet? Sure. Um, so it's oh, it's always hard to describe <laughs> part of it. This is the bit that, that feels the hardest. But um, So it's about, just in a kind of nutshell, two sisters who um, return to the New South Wales South Coast, which is where um, their summer holiday house was on a river, um, and they're kind of... Um, they're having to face the the mystery of their their lost sister who wrote a message in flowers and walked into the river. Um, so it's kind of it's very much a family drama, um, and it's the main character Phoebe. She returns to this place um, when she has had her heart broken from um, this failed engagement. Um, so it's it's about sort of escaping. It's about 
um, you know, being confronted with where you're at in life. She's 37. She feels like she needs to be getting married and having a family and yet she's just completely alone and adrift and nothing's worked out and her sister's committed suicide and now she's back in this place that has all these beautiful memories but that her sister took her own life so it's terrifying to go back there as well um so yeah it's also there's yeah obviously that really strong mystery at the heart of it as well um yeah very well done perfect summary (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) I think it is a it is a good like even though I'm only a few chapters in I could already see the mystery I'm very very intrigued to see how it happens so there's definitely an element there I really really want to keep reading it um I've got work to do though so I'm gonna have to gonna have to make that the end of the day um but you mentioned obviously the sisters um going back and one of those sisters is Phoebe who's sort of mainly who um we focus on her job um, is in marketing for a champagne company and so mm. she does talk a bit about the fact that you know she's sort of sharing and curating the best moments of people's lives and creating this image online um, it's really interesting especially for Caitlin and I because we live so much of our life online Caitlin's in marketing and I'm running my own business and stuff so we are online a lot it's mm. really interesting to see that um discussion around social media and the, the, the effect on our mental health sort of talked about in a book like this what's been your mm-hmm. experience with social media and why was that something that you wanted to sort of touch on in the novel yeah um it's interesting um because because um it's set um in the bush where there's no um there's actually no reception um I have had the sort of gift of being able to go back to this place um, without having been connected to my phone. And I guess I just really noticed the difference. Um, And it's like this enforced detox. And you could just feel like this, um, everything just became much more present. You were just in the world so much more. You weren't feeling for where your phone was all the time. Um, Like I wasn't feeling like I just I need like this serotonin hit from getting a like or something. Like I kind of I didn't realise how much I was sort of I guess um, caught up in social media until going there and, and that part of the world is still has no reception and for the first day, it's so uncomfortable because you're just like, oh, I just need to check my phone. But then once you get, it's like, you know, detoxing from a drug or something, once you sort of get past that discomfort, it's just like, oh, okay. And then nature sort of works its magic on you because it just does. And so I think I had that experience that I just wanted to express in the book because I've felt felt it myself. Um, and I think Phoebe um, gets to have that experience by going to Driftwood. And I think readers 
in a way by reading the book they kind of get that piece as well of like just being in nature and what that would feel like to actually not be having to be accountable to all that stuff all the time and look don't get me wrong I really love social media it's so important obviously you guys you know it's your job and um, but at the same time I do think it has a mental health um, impact Um, and also just that whole Instagram thing and I'm just as guilty as anyone like I love beauty I'm an athlete I want to make the most beautiful images and I've only just recently joined Instagram and I'm just stupidly addicted to it Um, (laughs) but I do think that there is such a gift in just leaving that behind and going into nature I just think it just fills your soul and yeah I think I wanted to kind of capture that in the book yes I I for one think you did um even hearing you talk about that just then um I remembered at Easter last year uh, I went camping with my family in a national park that had no service and we were there for 10 days and it is so refreshing and like mm. same sort of thing, you know, like I, I love social media. I love, you know, watching all those different videos and looking at everyone's pictures and I enjoy posting to, you know, all three or four or however many accounts I bloody have. And, <laughs> but it is incredibly refreshing to not do that sometimes. Mm. And I also really enjoyed that element of Lost Summers sort of with that added, um, little bit that you know she wasn't doing it for like a detox Phoebe was you know escaping she didn't want to talk to her family she was like oh I need a break from everything mm. and so she went where they, where she knew that people couldn't contact her <laughs> yeah 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 and I think there's part of everyone that has that that just that seems so seductive like yeah um, to run away from <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah and just Mm. just to hear the quiet of I don't know you know I think we're so busy now and there's so much going on and it's like half the time we're just stuck in our own heads and we're not even present um and I think yeah yeah (laughs) we need to be more present but it's so hard I don't know I know I don't know what the solution is yeah, I know. Yeah, I it's it's really hard. We are so connected with everything. Um, and when you work in it too, um, it's hard because then you, how do you split off your personal use of social media with your work use of social media? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, you sort of yeah. get into this hole. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so true. Um, and, I mean, I... I'm a weekend editor at Kidspot and so I'm on social media like on the weekends as part of work and yeah it's kind of I don't know it's just it's a really interesting beast social media and it's like you see aspects of humanity (laughs) that you you really don't want to see um I don't know it it can just I mean Instagram I think is a lot better than some other platforms in terms of people being nice to each other but um sometimes just the the level of vitriol on social media is just 
it's like, oh, my God, no one would ever say that to someone else to their face. Um, yeah. And it can just be really, like, depressing as well, um, whereas people are just generally pretty, um, I don't know, they're, they're civil in the real world generally, but online they can just be awful. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the solution is either. <laughs> Um, I mean, if everyone guess could just be a little bit nicer, then the whole world I know. would be a better place. It, it's just as easy as that, right? Just everyone should yeah. be nicer. <laughs> <Simple>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's also that whole thing, um, Phoebe, yeah, she she basically, her job is to put beautiful images up on, on Instagram and whatnot and, I do think that, um, you know, I've got a young daughter and I just worry that, you know, when she comes to the age of, you know, being really into that, that it's going to be so full on, just that whole, you know, I need my life to look perfect and, um, and curated and, yeah, I guess that's, that's a bit of a worry as well, um, that that's not real life and it's, beautiful and it's seductive and you know that's something that's lovely to look at but how do we sort of make that decision that it's not going to make me feel depressed or something um mm. and I'm going to rise above that it's um it's a tricky one yeah. yeah yeah we're all still figuring that out I think that is something that I do find really interesting about social media is that you know really it's all still quite new and Mm -hmm. it is you know we're only sort of now in the past couple of years going oh are we using this the best way we can are we all Mm -hmm. did we all get too excited about it and now we're all using it too much or yeah 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 Yeah, we're all still learning absolutely and and surely it will self-correct somewhere down the line um and the kids that are growing up now, like my daughter, you know, she'll be like, Mum, can you can you get off the phone? Like, you know, they <laughs> they want their parents' attention and they will have grown up fighting for that. And so when perhaps when they're parents, they'll just have that bit of empathy of like, Well, that really sucked when my mum was just always on her bloody phone. So maybe I'll be a bit more aware of that with my kids. I don't know. <laughs> Mm. I mean, yeah. maybe that's a good point. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Too hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Okay. <laughs> um. So in the novel, Phoebe is grieving the death of her sister Karen, and the family dynamics um that are in the novel between her other sister and her parents. Um, a really a fundamental like key theme Um, and I really enjoyed reading about those like parent-child and sibling relationships because they were really fleshed out and prominent in the story like it wasn't just I have another sister or something like Mm. we got to see all of them quite a bit um, which I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed they were they were a full little family Um, Mm. so can you tell us a little bit more about how you um, wrote about them um, and how you included 
like their entire family, not just Phoebe in this story? Um, yeah, that's interesting. I haven't really thought about that before. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I, th- I find family dynamics really interesting because they're sort of, you know, formative for us and um, it's almost like how the dynamic is in a family, it kind of never changes. Like you're always the one that's, um, you know, like the one that sleeps in and is lazy or you're always the one that's late or you're always the neat one you know everyone's sort of in their little pecking order and I don't (laughs) think that kind of changes as you get older um even though obviously we do change as we get older it's like our families have this like dinosaur memory of when we were kids Um, (laughs) and so yeah, I find that kind of interesting and I think, I mean, I don't I don't have any sisters, so, <laughs> which is weird, but um, I've got a brother, but I think I find the sister relationship fascinating because I've probably always thought I'd love to have a sister, just that whole, <laughs> you know, there for you no matter what, like, you know, best friend by blood, um, sharing all the clothes, um, but I have a lot of very, very deep close female friendships and so I find that bond between women really fascinating um and Phoebe and Karen have a really amazing bond um which I'm like jealous of um but then Camilla and Phoebe have got a very fraught um difficult um friendship um and relationship Mm -hmm. and I find that interesting in female relationships as well um and I think we all know that friend that we have or have had but you know there's just tension there and there's always a bit of conflict and there's you know and and there's always something there's always something but with a sister you can never escape it and so you're just constantly forced to you know be in that um and so yeah I think I find that quite interesting really um and how to navigate those tense relationships and also you know I guess for the purpose of story tension is always and conflict is always is always good and helpful um but yeah yes I know well I find um it really interesting as well which is why I wanted to ask you about it because often um I don't know, I guess when we're saying Lost Summers of Driftwood is a family drama, obviously the family is important. But uh, Mm -hmm. very often, you know, you read books or movies and everything and it's like, does this person have parents? Like, where are they? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's probably true, actually. Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, just having a network of people for your main character kind of gives them more depth maybe I don't know um yeah absolutely yeah it's a strange process really writing this stuff because you're like yeah why did I why did I do that (laughs) (laughs) they just popped up in my story and started talking and I'm like okay here's the dad (laughs) And now we're like, please tell us um, every single thing you did. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, explain it to me. And you're like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> but 
suppose the other relationship dynamic then um, is between Phoebe and Jed, that sort of childhood friends, first love, meeting again later mm. in life sort of thing. So um, was, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, every story's got to have a bit of a love interest, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that whole first love thing, it's something everyone can relate to, something everyone goes through. And whether it's someone that's like, you know, a really big, amazing first love who you actually, you know, have a relationship with or whether it's just something that's a bit more fleeting but, you know, you're still really into that person. I think everyone can kind of understand that whole nostalgia and um, flame, you know, for the first love thing. Um, And I think a lot of people probably have that whole of, oh, I wonder what happened to that person and would we be compatible now and you know it's it's an interesting concept I think and yeah I don't know one that a lot of people sort of wonder about or yeah I don't know did you guys have first loves (laughs) um (laughs) well sorry that's the journalist in me (laughs) no that's all right no I, (laughs) I will say that the sort of whole big saga um, of like them, you know, being childhood friends and like their families knew each other and everything, that part of it I can't exactly relate to. But, you know, the whole thing of it ongoing for years and it seems like they're still around and, you know, everyone's still asking you about them and all of that sort of stuff, that I can relate to. Ah, yeah. That's interesting. Michelle's laughing because um, she knows exactly what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Caitlin could write a book about this saga. Uh, um, Maybe you should. That, I would say that um, I'm still with my first love. So. Oh, that's so mm. But only because I'm Did so you... boring that I didn't start dating until I was in my 20s. Aww, that's <laughs> so I have no fun romantic teenage stories or anything. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely, though. That's a really nice story. Um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, I'll still be with him. But you know, I'm getting all these signals from these books that are telling me that I won't be. <laughs> no. No. Don't read. Don't read no. more books. Oh, it's hard though, because yeah. like, oh, if I told Jack, he'd be like, "Well, just don't read them." I'm like, "But they're good books." Like. And you're like, I have a reading podcast. I have to. (laughs) I have to read this book. It's work. Um, But, yeah, (laughs) I mean, the other book that I'm listening to an audio book at the moment and she's broken up, but it's very funny, so it doesn't feel like too depressing yeah I mean it's it's Mm. wonderful it's called um oh my god what a complete Ashling and it's Irish and so I would 100% recommend the audiobook because it's narrated and amazing Irish accent and we were talking about accents before we hit record and we I mean I don't know about you guys but I love an Irish accent and Beautiful. It, you know, it, I just love that um, the narrator in this has captured all the um, 
just the little nuances of their language and just the little things that they say day to day. But yeah, it started with like, she thought she was getting proposed to and I was like, oh my God, not another one, not another one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it'll, it'll, um, I'll, I'll need, I'll just need something to like cleanse my palate, my reading palate and uh, <laughs> that I'll get yeah. back into it it's funny though because like when contemporary is your favorite genre like that is something that is often explored in contemporary yeah. books so you know that's Absolutely. it's just going to naturally come up um yeah you know I what feel like you, I should read, you should read um The Weekend by Charlotte Wood um where all Ooh. the husbands are dead so <laughs> <laughs> the yes. women are like in their 70s and they're just like the men are not part of it <laughs> that sounds oh, amazing great. I have been meaning to read some Charlotte Wood so I should probably oh, pick that's that up. Great book. <laughs> yeah oh, oh, wonderful really um Vanessa the other thing that I wanted to touch on obviously you said um you're a journalist and we introduced you as a journalist I'm really mm. interested like because I work in that field as well did you ever struggle to find creative energy to write the novel when you're writing in your day job as well or you're around words a lot in your day job yeah that's quite a good question I feel like it's a completely different part of my of me that's writing creatively than what's writing for work um Mm. yeah so it's drawing from a really different source um so yeah I mean if I've been writing stories all day for work the last thing I feel like doing is then sitting down and writing my novel Um, but and and often I won't (laughs) I'm done I'm done for today Um, but then at the same time it's like if you do sit down and kind of force yourself then you do go into that other state which I have to say is a lot more natural for me to write creatively than it is to write as a journalist even though I've done like journalism for many years it still feels more natural to write creatively because I just can go off into my you know la la land imagination and I don't have to yeah I don't have to engage with anyone and it's yeah it's kind of my mental health place I think um so I think they're quite they're probably quite separate places in me, um, the the book writing and the journalism. But at the same time, I do think that being a journalist has definitely helped my um, my creative writing um, because, I mean, I've worked for, you know, like the Daily Telegraph for many years. And, I mean, you have to be so concise um, in your in your expression and your words and you can't um I don't know you just have to get right directly to the heart of the story um Mm. and so I think that teaches you it teaches you new sense you know what it Mm. is that um interests people um and you end up having like integrating that in into yourself so you don't even think about whether what what angle of the story you'll take you just know what the angle is and I think that definitely I think that's why so many journalists are authors because journalism teaches you about um, about story, about the human um, need for story, 
because even though we don't want to read about bad stuff all the time, we are kind of so drawn to the bad stuff. Mm. And as a journalist, as a journalist, you you know this. Um, <laughs> and so as an author, you know that the conflict and the darkness has to be there mm. and otherwise there's no, no story. So yeah. they're kind of, they inform each other, those two things, my, my job and my novel writing, but at the same mm. time they're quite different processes, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, you know, how you say it becomes like ingrained in you because right now I'm trying to teach that to people about their blogs and as I'm writing this stuff down I'm like, isn't this just, doesn't everybody just know this? Like because it's just become yeah. such an everyday part of my job. I'm like, doesn't everybody just write like this? Like am I actually telling anybody something that they don't know? And then, you know, if you do explain it to someone, they're like, oh, my God, never thought of it that way. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Like it just because it becomes part of your everyday. You just don't even question what you're doing. I mean, I guess it's the same sort of for, like, um, Caitlin and me too if we're, you know, showing someone something about Instagram who doesn't work in our industries. They might be amazed by stuff that is just, average and every day to us you know yeah Um, and I just think it's interesting like I am I mean no wonder I'm a journalist I'm fascinated of hearing stuff like that about people that's why we do this podcast you know it's one thing to hear about people's creative processes and how different parts of their life inform their writing and Mm. I do think that um there's something really particular about the way you're taught to write as a journalist so I wonder um did it make it easier for you um, when it came to editing? Did you have, like, cleaner copy to begin with because um, you have that new sense of, you know, always mm. trying to write tighter and stuff like that? Did that make it easier for you to edit the novel? Yeah. I mean, one thing I have noticed is that I don't um, – I don't – go back and cut things like when I'm working with my editor or whatever they're not saying okay we need to cut this and this and this they're saying we need extra (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're too tight another chapter on this and we need a little bit more to flesh this out so um I definitely naturally write in a very concise way and so my editing process basically takes me from about 90 thousand words to a hundred thousand words um so my word count always goes up rather than down um which is not the case for all writers at all most no absolutely (laughs) but a lot of writers cut like you know 10 20,000 words and that's just uh, that that I don't think that would ever happen with me because I just I don't know I think I I get the bones of everything and then I flesh it out from there and that definitely would come from that would come from having worked as a journalist for sure so Um, at what point in your career did you sort of start dabbling in fiction so I I actually have published another novel through Penguin but under a different name um, and that was sort of my test novel I guess and it was very very (laughs) different from this one um so I wrote that, um, oh, when was it, 2013 maybe? It was, I, I took a year off t- 
to have my little girl and she um, she was a really good sleeper in the daytime but not at night. She didn't sleep at all at <laughs> night but in the daytime she Aww. napped and so I was like, okay, what am I going to do with myself? I'd gone from like working 12-hour days as a journalist to sort of being at home with a baby and I'm like, ah! And so um, <laughs> I just I wrote this novel and um, that was based on my experience, which I'd, I'd been a celebrity reporter and so I'd interviewed all these amazing stars and had this kind of glamorous life and I'm like, okay, I have to somehow put this in a novel because when I was like sitting at home with my newborn baby I'm like wow that was a really cool life I used to have (laughs) now I'm covered in vomit (laughs) yeah totally so I'm like okay I think I need to just yeah get get this process what I just went through for the past 10 years because that was crazy um and so then I wrote I wrote this novel and it was it ended up being sort of romance it was way more romance and had this like guy with his shirt off on the front cover and it was nothing <laughs> like nothing like this book um but I think that was just my like oh I wonder if I can write a novel so I mean it was pretty great that it got published um but um I just it wasn't it wasn't sort of I hadn't quite found my voice I don't think um mm-hmm. and I tried to write another book in that vein and I was like mm, I don't yeah no I'm wanting to write something different I don't want to this isn't it and so then I just put it all down and away for quite a few years and then this book The Lost Summers of Driftwood came about when I was like okay I'm just going to get really quiet and listen to what I actually want to write because yeah, when you what write I a work book on. for yeah, because when you write a book for a publisher and you'd know this, Caitlin, they want you to sort of keep doing what you're doing. Like if you put a book out that's like this, you kind of have to keep in the same style ideally um, because that's how you sort of build your fan base and stuff. And Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and guess when I – what people would expect from you if they read yes. the first book and things like that. Mm, yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, oh, and I just – when HarperCollins acquired this, they said to me something like, um, are you happy to keep working in this sort of style? And I'm like, yes, yes, I think this is it. And they're like, yes, this, this is, is it. mommy. This is yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, and I'm like, okay, yes, I found it now. Um, <laughs> but I think it took me a little while to do so. Um, cause this is a way more, um, I guess it's just more, evocative or something than the other the other book was celebrity and very romancy and um it's just just a really different feel to the whole thing mm-hmm. um but I mean that's still that's still me as well like that's part of what I lived and experienced and maybe that's just me who was a bit younger and who was in that whole celebrity world and that is just so far from where I am right now <laughs> mm. um so yeah. Yeah, well it's like you said before, people change. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. 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 Um a fun note to end on might be to have a quick chat about some of the your favorite celebrity interviews. Do you have like a <laughs> top three? Ah, oh, um 
Well, I was mentioning to you before that I did interview Chase Crawford from Gossip Girl, who was Nate. Um, and <laughs> we love him. So very, very attractive. I mean, he very was attractive man. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Gorgeous. Um, and I have, I have no recollection of really anything that we talked about, except that he did say, and this was a life highlight, that he really, really liked my act and the Australians have sexy accents and I'm just like yes <laughs> like well, you, are Chase, wrong, you can listen to our you. podcast and um you'll always hear our sexy accents <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um so that was a good one um probably the most famous person I have interviewed would be Kim Kardashian which I almost oh, forgot man. that Ooh. I even interviewed her but it was a phoner like way 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 before she was even she was like Paris Hilton's hanger on at that point oh Um, wow and so way back when before the empire it was yeah it was just completely before the empire and I mean she seemed quite sweet I don't really remember much of it I was just like oh my god who is this person (laughs) (laughs) um and then probably Another interesting one was Daniel Craig because um, he's oh, cool. very shy, so, so, so shy. Really? Um, yeah, and hates publicity and he he just looked so miserable, like he just did not want to be there and that was a face-to-face. Um, was it a, like a junket sort of thing where they're bombarded yeah. with everybody? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, so everyone has their like four minutes, 30 seconds or whatever. Gosh, I always think that must be so hard for the celebrity to, because they're going to get asked the same question. It's like in Notting Hill, isn't it? Yeah, I know. (laughs) You've got to come in and be like Equine Magazine. (laughs) I know. It's just, it's absurd, really. And I think that's why I wrote that first book, because I'm just like, this is such a weird phenomenon, like how the Mm. whole celebrity thing is. Um, But yeah, he was, he was very, very shy, but I'm very quiet and shy. So we kind of, I felt like we sort of had a little bit of a connection because he was just, I think, he'd, I think he'd just been accosted by like some really loud radio jocks and he was just like, oh, my God. Um, Don't yell but, at me. Yeah, and I was just like, I'm so nervous. And he's like, don't be nervous. I'm really nervous. And I'm just like, oh, yay. So I kind of felt like I got a little bit of a glimpse of, who that person really was and that's when it's like really nice when you're like mm-hmm. oh this is just actually a person rather than a massive celebrity or whatever um yeah yeah but yeah no it was a fun time <laughs> are there any celebrities that you like wish you could interview now if you were still you know I don't know um my daughter would say Taylor Swift. <laughs> she loves Taylor Swift so much. She'd be like, Mommy, you have to interview her. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, gosh, I'm just – I don't feel like I'm in a sort of celebrity headspace these days. I'm like mm. – I mean, I nearly, yeah. got to, I nearly got to interview Ryan Gosling and that was like <sighs> – Oh, that's cool. Oh. Um, but yeah, it didn't happen. Um, I don't know. I feel I feel like someone really amazing. Like I don't know, Kylie or I. I really love Kylie. <laughs> um, yeah. But 
yeah, not going to happen. I don't think I'll go back to that celebrity world anymore. I'm too old. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Don't be silly. No. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. It's like, um, you know, it's kind of like what you were saying before. It's like a different sort of chapter and now you're in yeah. this new yeah. chapter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's just definitely. a different part of your life. Yeah, maybe that's that's all like novelists are doing. They're just like making sense of their their past and turning it into a novel. Like maybe I'll just I don't know. Like my next book is kind of exploring motherhood a little bit. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just doing that. <laughs> yeah, um, I honestly yeah. think that's probably most. Pe- that's probably what most people do. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so the book is out now in Australia and, um, where can people find you online? You mentioned, um, to us earlier that you have an Instagram account. So where can people find you? Um, so I'll spell my really, um, long surname, but it's at (laughs) Vanessa McCausland. So that's V-A-N-E-S-S-A-M-C-C-A-U-S-L-A-N-D. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I don't have a website or anything at this point, but, um, yeah, I'm posting lots of stuff on Instagram. So yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, I, I think that's, I think we've covered everything. (laughs) Thank you for the chat. Yeah. It's been wonderful to chat all things writing and, you know, wonderful settings in Australia and things like that. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. Yes, thanks so much for joining us, Vanessa. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at betterwordspod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.